Sifter for the ear. News, interviews, reviews, cinema, TV, streaming, action. Hi, y'all. This is Jerry Williams, a.k.a. TV Jerry. We hear that fellow travelers had a few shoot days recently in Richmond. This upcoming series is based on the 2007 novel, which stars Matt Bomer and Jonathan Bailey in a love story set at the height of McCarthyism. It's coming to Showtime next year. When I was doing literary book deals five years ago, everybody said that by now, 80% of all the reading would be electronic books. We were always worried about the ebook provisions and the royalties and this and that. Five years later, the hardbound, softbound, printed book still dominates. That was part of the answer that Kirk Schroeder gave me when I asked him about IPs and how they're affecting the market. Kirk Schroeder is Virginia's most prominent entertainment lawyer, recognized with numerous honors all over the country. Today, we'll talk about some of the work he's done for productions in Virginia, some advice for young artists, his veganism, and more. Sifter Review of the Week The Watcher a big hit on Netflix. A happy family, headed by Naomi Watts and Bobby Cannavale, who's especially good, leaves the hectic life of Manhattan for a grand new home in the peaceful suburbs. Turns out that the house is either haunted by ghosts or inhabited by an unknown or whatever. There are some creepy moments, this is after all a Brian Murphy production, and lots of fun performances, including Jennifer Coolidge channeling her best self and Mia Farrow going totally bonkers. The mystery is somewhat compelling, but the resolution lacks punch. By the way, look for Richmond native Duke LaFoon as a neighbor in episode 4 at about 22 minutes in. And he'll be a guest on this show to talk about it soon. I gave The Watcher three and a half stars. And now let's go to our chat with Kirk Schroeder. How you been? I've been great, Kirk. Thanks for doing this from your rental car. I guess you had car trouble this morning. Well, you could say that. It's a long story. That could be its own podcast. Okay, we'll save that for the next time. Of course, I've known you forever, and you've been a prominent entertainment lawyer. Yeah, I finally make it on your podcast. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, you may have had a slow week or something with (laughs) guests. Actually, you know, we've worked together on projects and stuff for years, and I've known you for years, and of course, most of your clients are entertainment people making movies, film, or TV, or or commercials or music or whatever. But I went on your website, I noticed it has a range of clients, including herbalists, shamans, psychic mediums, and feng shui experts. So I guess just being, yeah. just having a little old Dirt Woman documentary was just kind of vanilla compared to some of those people. Well, apparently those fall under entertainment uh, for really? people. I had a, a client a while ago, I think this is the best example of it, a woman that is a, um, a veterinarian, but she does it by Reiki and long distance. Oh, wow. And the California Licensure Board was after her, and they needed sort of like an, what it's called an amicus brief, like someone to explain it because they didn't think that their lawyers understood it. Right. And so I found myself writing an argument to the California Licensure Board explaining why a person who does Reiki on horses uh, should retain their license. That's <laughs> so, wow. um, All of them have either content or they're presenting to the public, which essentially is at the core of a lot of things that I do. So how did you get started as being an attorney? I don't guess you grew up playing courtroom games when you were a little kid, did you? No, 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 no. I mean, I I think I knew all along I was going to be a lawyer. If you had told me my third year of law school that I would be an entertainment lawyer, I I could not have imagined that. But uh, I was uh, two years in a big law firm and just realized that most lawyers hate what they do by the time they turn 40. I had already worked at Channel 6 being a floor director. When was this? What years was this? I don't even know, but they had the big, heavy uh, camera engine 
chains, you know, those yeah, big, yeah, huge things. Yeah. And uh, I used to practice on those. And, and I guess and, I just um, never even talked to you. I just, well, because you were working in the evenings and I came in during the day. Yeah, and eventually I went to law school at the University of Richmond and I act doing it while I was in law school part-time. And I used to just run all the cameras on the weekends. All of them had TV contracts when they were moving on to other markets. And that's what sparked my interest in saying, well, I wonder if there's a market here. And then I just sort of realized that content was going to always be king. To be an entertainment lawyer, you weren't married to the local courthouse. You could go almost anywhere, both nationally and internationally. And, uh, you know, I'm quirky in my nature and entertaining, not just an entertainment lawyer, but entertaining. And I thought this might work. So I I told my bosses at my big law firm that this is what I wanted to do. And it didn't take me long before I was shown the exit door. Do they laugh at you and say you're an idiot or do they say go for it? Well, uh, yeah, but I went through about three or four years of the laughing. And then I opened up an office across from the Commonwealth Club on West Franklin Street in a carriage house. And then uh, that caught the attention of Gary LeClaire at LeClaire Ryan. You know, he was into the Internet and all those things. And he just wanted to see what an entertainment lawyer looked like. Enrichment is what he told me. And we got a laugh. And then I was there nine and a half years at LeClaire Ryan and was there for nine and a half years. Then uh, Bennett Fidlow contacted me from Los Angeles and he was moving east and he had all the entertainment credentials. And we were uh, Schroeder Fidlow for a good while. And then Bennett moved back to LA and it was Schroeder Davis, uh, Joan Davis, who does our fashion law. Who I introduced you to. I got her that gig, actually. That's right. You got Joni that gig. Right, he, right. Uh, we've been Schroeder Brooks for about uh, six, seven years. And Joni's still on board as a fashion. In fact, she's graduating this weekend in a master's degree in Italy in fashion law. And she's oh, in Rome wow. right now. Surprise guest drop in. And of course, you've been active in not only in the Richmond community, but all over the world. But uh, somebody wants to say hello from the Richmond community. Footnote. Andy Edmonds is the director of the Virginia Film Office. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the ratings are going to go up now. Now that Andy's here. Oh, we gonna my gosh. The reason I wanted to crash in here is that I know you will not talk about yourself, but I just want to tell you on behalf of the Virginia film industry, how grateful we are that you have been such an important part of our community. And people just don't know how much pro bono, and I, I don't want your email box to get full with people <laughs> saying, please, <laughs> must it. but just work because he cares about the industry here and that he's helped out so much and just great advice to independent filmmakers that I will just make a little referral to him and he will kindly take their call and give them some advice. And then the people will immediately realize that this is a crazy business. I should probably do something else. But anyway, right. and I, I just want to relate another story about Kirk's fine skill at potentially saving a huge project. So many years ago, we were doing a little movie up in Southwest Virginia, Jerry, called Big Stone Gap, right? We're right. in the middle of coal country. Right. And one of the producers was a person named Donna Gelati, who's an amazing producer. And she had told me about this script that she wanted to send me about these African-American women who had done the calculations to get John Glenn around the moon. And it was crazy. I didn't know this amazing story, heroic story. So she sent me the script. I was one of the first ones to be able to read this amazing script. And we were trying to move forward to film it in Virginia, right? I was working with NASA then at Hampton Langley and all this. Footnote. Hidden Figures was made in 2016 about a group of black women mathematicians who were vital in the early days of the U.S. space program. And then she called me back a couple of days later. She said, look, we're in a bind here. I have the rights to the book, 
but we do not have the life rights to at least one of these subjects of the book. And who can I call to solve this major problem for me? And I said, you got to call Kirk Schroeder. And Kirk got in there. And if not for Kirk Schroeder, that movie may have been very different. That's just the, you know, the amazing skill and talent that Kirk has. Well, thank you, Andy. I I love it when I can do work here in Virginia. And there's just so much Virginia has to offer. And I wish we could convince, uh, especially people in the legislature and others, that uh, Virginia could be another Georgia as far as the film and TV industry. But it's a slow, hard road right now. Thank you for your kind words. But thanks for what you guys do in the Virginia Film Office. I mean, literally, I don't know that I could have gotten my start. I mean, going back to Laura Oaksmith when she was the director and them looking at me and going, uh, there's an entertainment lawyer here in Virginia. Am I just saying, uh, yeah. And and uh, actually, Laura got me to help out with Virus when they were in trouble. And that ended up connecting me with Jeff Korchak at Universal Pictures. And I flew out to LA and Jeff was my patron saint for nine, ten years at uh, Universal, giving me work. Footnote. Virus was a 1999 Universal sci-fi drama. I, I owe a lot to the film office. Well, well, Kirk, we owe a lot to you, man. We really appreciate it. So, look, I'm going to hop off. You guys get on with your conversation. Thank you, Andy. Thanks, Andy. Good seeing you. Take care. You know, he didn't mention it. I didn't mention it when we first got on, but I have to mention it before we go on to talk about some of your gigs. You got a whole lot of hair and a big beard now. I think, did you start that during COVID and decided you never needed to look all clean cut for an attorney again? Uh, It started with a breakup, uh, you know, and uh, I just kind of kept it and I'll probably uh, shave it, but yeah, it's kind of a meditation right now. And say you look like a Maharishi. Well, uh, it pulls 50-50. Some women like it and some tell me how disgusting it looks but yeah i uh i don't know how long we'll see what happens it is what it is right now it's a look it's definitely a look what how does that is jerry how do you vote on it um I'm all for anybody expressing themselves. Oh, there you I'm- go. That's the political answer. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you hear this word bandied about probably a lot in the last at least 10 years. And I know it's part of your business, IP. Intellectual property, which is at the core of what we do. I mean, uh, all content is intellectual property and needs either copyright or trademark or other types of protection. And so that's just like one element of representing people in the entertainment area. Because our world is becoming the metaverse now. It first started with video games um, because there are so many IP considerations in a video game. And now the cutting edge is the metaverse and, and whether or not that will take off in the way it is. You think it will? I don't know. When I was doing literary book deals five years ago, everybody said that by now, 80% of all the reading would be electronic books. We were always worried about the ebook provisions and the royalties and this and that. Five years later, the hardbound, softbound, printed book still dominate. There you go. I don't know whether the uh, metaverse will do it or not. I know there are entertainment lawyers that are betting the farm on it. In my view, the equipment will always be at issue and whether or not there's going to be, you know, potential personal injury claims. Ah. You know, holding some screen to your eyes up close like that for hours hours on end. There is some preliminary research, but you don't know what type of tort claims they're going to be for injury to eyes and or Or just somebody uh, runs into something because they're walking around and they run into a table or something. Whatever it is. You know, my job is to make deals, but to do it in a healthy and skeptical way. So that's the only thing I'll say about it. 
Oh, but, okay. So speaking about our world, what are some of the most interesting, memorable gigs that you can talk about that aren't secret? Gosh, uh, one of my favorite stories comes from a, our mutual friend, Charlie Baxter, who's right. now in Savannah. I think it was Major Pain. Footnote. Major Pain was a 1995 comedy starring Damon Wayans. Uh, they were shooting late at night in the James River. It was the helicopter scene, and they were going to have um, special effects, you know, uh, guns, rifles, missiles, all that kind of right, stuff. Right, But no one apparently checked the river. Apparently, there was some, um, I'm just going to call him a patriot, uh-huh. uh, out on the river in his little boat fishing, and he sees the helicopters coming in and the fireworks going off, and Uh-oh. he thinks that the United States is under attack. <laughs> And he starts returning fire, and fortunately, wow. no one got hurt or anything like that. But sometimes you got to sort through those things. And I hope it doesn't make the media. What did you do to mitigate that? I mean, did he try to sue somebody, or did they try to sue him? Or I mean, I, I can't speak specifics, of course, about that. But generally speaking, you try to make everybody happy, and you get these crazy things. I've I, I had so many of them over the years. It, it ranges, and I love them all. What would you say is some of the biggest names, some of the things people would have heard of, whether it's a movie, or some of the biggest deals? Would you say a, a deal that, oh, yeah, I was the uh, attorney on that deal or something? Are there some of those that would be like, oh, he did that? I represent Margot Shetterly, who wrote Hidden Figures. I played a role in that movie. Uh, and there are other things going on for her that I continue to be involved in. Uh, I, I'm just throwing the most immediate things right now. Beth Macy, who wrote Dope Sick, uh, right. which is the Hulu film. Right. Uh, I was a principal in negotiating the Hulu film. There are others nationally and internationally. I don't know if I can name drop it so much, but I, that gives you hopefully a feel. I know sometimes if you've got a young, struggling new actor or musician or a filmmaker and they come to you, but I know you've worked deals and you've helped some of these people. What are some of the, the ways you have helped people who really can't quite afford the full representation? Our economic model that allows us to stay in practice and thrive in Virginia is that, you know, if people believe and understand that, you know, we are just as competent as a New York or uh, L.A. attorney, our rates are significantly more competitive than them. I mean, there's some clients that will just say, you know, your rate's too low. You must not be good. Uh-huh, right, and right. then literally uh, yesterday, I got a referral from a New York lawyer who wants me to join her on a matter. And uh, I'm having to raise my rates, you know, keep her happy. And so in order to be competitive at the rates that we do, we, you know, we're a small, lean, low overhead. We, you know, we have an office in Cary County and I have one in uh, Charlottesville and we're getting ready, hopefully to open one in Northern Virginia. Uh, but the good news is it allows me to be flexible in how we bill and I don't nickel and dime every client. Uh, you know, you've sent me people, Andy has sent me people and if I just try to figure out if I can help them or not. At some point a couple of years ago, you mentioned to me that with potential new clients, that especially like an actor, that you would be willing to take a lower rate up front in exchange for a percentage of their future work, something like that? Yeah, or- I mean, we will do a creative billing. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Teen Mom on MTV. Sure, yeah. Tyler and Caitlin Baltera uh, are probably among the most popular on MTV reality stars, and I've represented them. Y- you know, when you have a-, a client that has a revenue stream and has ongoing needs, then a percentage arrangement makes sense. 
If I, I mean, if I think there's business there, I'll give you the choice. I'll either do a percentage deal or a bill by the rate. And the percentage deal is the deal falls through. You don't owe me money. But if the deal lasts for 10 years, then I took the risk. I'm taking the, you know, my fee uh, or and sometimes some clients say, no, I'm going to pay you up front because I don't want to have to be paying you for years on end, just a percentage. And right. I'll, I'll just use you as I need you. So we can do all that. So what would you say your best piece of advice out there to some somebody who thinks maybe I do need a lawyer or maybe I don't need a lawyer. I've seen more mistakes from people who, I mean, I, I'm just thinking the last two weeks, uh, yesterday, cleaning up a mess because the parties uh, did not get a lawyer. They, I commonly see people who uh, use internet forms and the internet uh, forms, you get what you pay for. Right. A common mistake I see are independent filmmakers who buy some set of forms on the internet and then I get hired to do the distribution deal and and they want to do due diligence on releases and there are certain provisions that every distributor wants in a release and if they're not there yeah I got to go back and have everybody redo it and the problem then for the independent filmmaker is then people start holding out on he or she because now they know there's a distribution deal and they you know so it just becomes to be a mess there's a filmmaker up in northern Virginia that you and I know and I remember going attending to a premiere of his and sitting in a theater and going, huh, I don't remember that music being cleared. And I said something to him afterwards and and he goes, well, I had this form and it turned out that form didn't work. And it was like $25,000, $30,000 later that that problem got fixed. Not every lawyer will talk with you, but I usually have a general practice that I will give at least 15 minutes or 20, you know, 30 minutes at the most of time just to see if I can help someone or or to just at least tell them you don't need me right now, but this is what you need to do. Uh, And I just feel like that's part of the goodwill, at least in our law practice at Schroeder Brooks. You know, for me, obviously, from my experience with the Dirt Woman doc, I met with you up front. We got releases signed for everybody. And then when it was time to sign the distribution contract, like you said, they sent me their contract, which was 20 pages or something. And you made like 40 something changes and they accepted every one of them. So that was great for me. And, you know, it does say that, hey, apparently you knew something was. I knew what to look for and what was acceptable or not. And that's what hopefully distinguishes me as an entertainment lawyer. And thank you for using me. I'm surprised you didn't just say when I asked for your best advice, why don't you just buy my book, The Essential Guide to Entertainment Law? I actually dropped off the next edition because things are so busy right now that I don't think I can dedicate time, but I'd always had the dream to write or be part of a definitive entertainment law book, and that is the book. You mentioned earlier the healthy eating, and I know that uh, you know we're both, well, you're vegan, I believe, aren't you? Well, a long time vegan. I'm just a lowly vegetarian. Where did that inspiration come from to suddenly say, hey, I need to eat better? Long ago, I read a book, Fit for Life, and I was just convinced that we're not designed to eat meat. But over time, not only am I healthy and fit for my age, very happy with my health, and I thank God for you know just staying healthy. But from a spiritual standpoint, I've come to understand that you know animals are sentient beings, and I don't particularly like to eat beings that have eyes. When people ask me, "You're vegetarian?" Yeah, I don't anything with a face, so or anything with a mother, or anything you have to chase. That's a better answer. <laughs> but now I know that translates to some extent into your interest in food policy on a national level. How has that evolved? I've dabbled in that. I had a client for a long time, uh, Elwood Thompson's uh, Natural Food Store and played a role in uh, some of their advocacy on food policy. You know, the biggest thing is this transparency and labeling. 
We have no idea the junk and the crap that we eat that, as a matter of law, is hidden from us. Uh, I'm not a, a fan of GMOs, and that's a hotly right. debated issue. You know, further, if you look at the farm bills, you know, we subsidize uh, junk food instead of subsidizing healthy food that would make a huge difference, especially where there are desert communities and, and low poverty income areas. How long have you been doing this? Uh, uh, over 20 years. I look back and I just think, oh my gosh, what was I smoking or thinking at the time when I thought I would? So now at least it's legal if you're smoking it. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I, I'm just really grateful because it's a great law practice. We've been blessed. We don't have to chase after business. The phone rings and we try to take good care of people. I'm surrounded by wonderful law partners. I, I love uh, people in the Virginia community, people like you, Andy, and others that I've known for years. And we still all look out for each other and care for each other. And, and you do the greatest thing. You call me every year on my birthday. <laughs> right, right. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. Well, thank and how you. Much thank I, you. When I see your phone call on my birthday and you and I just have a, a just a hello call. And so it's, it is it is a business of relationships. And I've been blessed with many wonderful relationships. Uh, last question I always ask, what are you watching when you have time to get away from the books and uh, sit back and stream something? I am right now watching the House of Dragons just to see okay. if it matches up with you know, the Game of Thrones. I, I just watched the Bee Gees documentary which I love. Wait a minute, let me back up. You didn't say how you, what do you think about the new uh, Game of Thrones? I, I'm not, I'm the jury's out on that. I get all the trade papers and you know, the, the showrunners of that show are defending it and trying to talk about what all the things they're doing. You know, and obviously Amazon Prime has a competitor. I'll probably uh, check that out. But I mean, these days I'm really into documentaries. I, I, I just, there's something about just taking in the learning of different things. I represent a number of documentaries right now. There's one I'm representing, I can't tell you too much about, that is, uh, that's just going to be a great documentary about what has happened to the political process in the United States and what will it take to, um, to bring, you know, to, to uh, end the polarization. And I can't wait for that to come out and take a, take a look at that. So cool. Um, cool. when I can, I like to watch what my clients are producing. No, so. that's a, speaking of which, when you say you like to watch documentaries, coming from an attorney's point of view, are you watching all these true crime documentaries, which I'm really over at this point? Well, uh, I am an attorney for a true crime docuseries. So you love them. Uh, <laughs> that, well, I get hired, so I have to watch the rough cuts uh -huh. and tell them what you can or can't do like whether or not an image of a newspaper can be used in this scene or not. And then I have to get on the phone with uh, national network attorneys and argue and debate for my client. So I, I get enough of that in my practice. I like the documentaries that have subjects that I'm interested in, whether it's uh, a musical band or some current affairs or you know documentaries about uh, food or other issues. You're right here saying on this show that you are a proud fan of the Bee Gees. Uh, well, I have a, <laughs> no, absolutely. I'm a fan, uh, especially after watching this documentary, I had no idea the scope of their influence. Gosh, on the airplane back, what did I watch? I was in Europe recently and, um, I ended up watching, uh, Chinese action films. Oh, they're always great fun. Yeah. Especially on a plane because my dialogue doesn't matter. No, and you can't hear it half the time anyway. Uh, yeah. So give me some good action. Yeah. Well, I was going to, they had master class and I watched Malcolm McDowell for a while. And then I said, I, I, I don't need to be educated right now. I just want something I can knit. 
and watch a film. You actually, I, didn't, I only did half of that, though. You didn't knit? You I do wa- knit, though. I'm trying to finish a sock. So where did that come from all of a sudden? It's just a great meditation. Uh, back when I, I had a, a girlfriend, she got me started a little bit with it, but I've had to just do a lot of trial and error. And I have someone in Richmond that helps me with it. And she must uh, at times have to take a quaaludes or something because I just keep <laughs> coming back with mistakes. But I'm actually near completing a, a sock. Let me just get clear. That's not a pair. That's just one sock. <laughs> not a pair. Don't okay. push me now. <laughs> okay. Um, but, you know, between that and uh, the gym and running marathons and other good things, I feel good. And you look good, even with all the crazy hair. And uh, it's been great to know you all these years. I want to, again, appreciate all the work you've done, not just for Dirt Woman, but some of the other things when I've called you in the past and said, hey, what about this? And some of the great friends that you've helped out. So I want to, again, just reiterate what Andy said and thank you for all you do for our community. Well, uh, Jerry, thank you for your friendship. It means the world to me. Uh, and I'm blessed that we have a great community and lots of good people. And you know, the door is always open. Uh, I'm always happy to talk to people to, to hear what's going on. And you, I just want to thank you for your friendship for all the years. Thank you. And then and- I finally made it on your podcast. <laughs> and from a rental now car. That, in a rental car. Now my social media is going to go through the roof because I'm going to tell everyone that I was on your podcast. And, all right. Uh, all right. Great. Now I finally made it. All right. Appreciate it, Kirk. Good to see you. Take care, Jerry. Thank you Bye-bye. again. That was Kirk Schroeder, Virginia's most prominent entertainment lawyer, talking about some of the work he's done for productions in Virginia and lots more. There's a link to his company's website on the page for this show at tvjerry.com. Did you know, by the way, that you can subscribe to these podcasts? Just go to tvjerry.com, click on the podcast tab, and there's the link. Coming soon. In theaters. Armageddon time. Anne Hathaway, Jeremy Strong, and Anthony Hopkins lead this story about several generations in America. The Banshees of Anishirin is going to arrive this weekend. It stars Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson as longtime friends who break up. Goodnight Oppie, a documentary about Opportunity, the Mars rover that ran for 15 years. Nocebo. When a fashion designer gets a mysterious illness, a Filipino nanny uses folk healing, but... One Piece film, Red. This is the 15th feature from the One Piece animated fantasy action adventure series. Louis Armstrong's Black and Blues, a documentary about the famed trumpeteer. TV and streaming. Blockbuster on Netflix, Randall Park, Melissa Fumero, and Tyler Alvarez star in this workplace comedy about the last Blockbuster. The Capture on Peacock, a British conspiracy drama starring Holiday Granger and Ben Miles. Low Country, The Murdoch Dynasty. HBO follows the investigation of Alex Murdoch, who was accused of killing his wife and son. Brahmastra Part 1, Shiva on Hulu, the story of Shiva's journey for love and self-discovery. Manifest on Netflix and The Mosquito Coast on Apple both returned for new seasons. Weird, the Al Yankovic story, is on Roku, obviously a comic look at the singer's life, starring Daniel Radcliffe in the title role. A new version of Dangerous Liaisons drops on Stars. Next week, Richmond native Constance Wu, star of Crazy Rich Asians and Fresh Off the Boat, will be my guest to talk about her movies, her new book, and working for me way back in the 90s. This is Jerry Williams. Thanks for listening. For more Sister, including literally thousands Thousands of of reviews, reviews, visit tvjerry.com.